You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Not of the Scribe. We have been blessed with a lot of content to get to <laughs> because Mitch Kupchak has talked to the media. James Brego has spoken with the media. And so has Gordon Hayward. Even LaMelo Ball has some comments via Mitch Kupchak that he shared with the media. So we've got a lot of stuff to get to. I'm going to try to divvy this up maybe over the course of the next couple of shows or so. We also did get a lot of second round signings yesterday. In fact, Mm -hmm. everybody signed. Even Nate Darling, who comes in undrafted, is signed to a two-way contract along with Grant Riller. We'll talk a little bit about all of the second round signings and how the roster has shaped up. Um, Even Bismack Biombo, We got, I don't know about the exact details about Bismack Biombo's contract, but we do know that he is officially signed. The Charlotte Hornets announced uh, today, I believe, that he is officially yes. signed. Maybe it was yesterday. Last um, night. Time is running together. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Nada has it. Thank you very much. That's why you're the producer. Uh, it is <laughs> last night. So let's get into it, Nada. Uh, first, I want to talk a little bit about Mitch Kupchak's comments and how this entire process came together. Because the biggest question mark, I think... I, I, for sure, the, the number one question that you have about this signing when it's announced by Woj on Twitter that Gordon Hayward is going to sign a four-year, 120 mil contract with Charlotte is it goes against everything that Mitch Kupchak had said to that point, which is why we all started discussing when Russell Westbrook was reportedly in the rumor mill of going to the Charlotte Hornets at some point. We all said it smells a lot like Michael Jordan because Mitch Kupchak, unless you just think he was just flat out lying or just flat out at that time, maybe things changed, whatever. It had gone completely against what the message was from the head decision maker of this team besides Michael Jordan. Here's what Mitch Kupchak said about that. He said he didn't think the Hornets would be in position to pursue a free agent of Gordon Hayward's caliber. Kupchak said he quickly found out after Hayward opted out that Charlotte was one of Gordon's top choices in free agency. And then Mitch said that they would look into him next summer. Um, By the way, I saw some of this Rick Bennell, some of the tweets that I'm reading from Jack Duffy also doing a good job of quoting um, these guys and putting them out there on Twitter. So those are the the people that I'm kind of looking at. He said, Mitch Kupchak said the Hayward decision was made between talking with James Borrego on what type of player the team needed veteran presence and a primary ball handler playmaker and score from the wing, but that Michael Jordan had a significant impact on the decision that coming from Jack Duffy. And so, yeah, one, I I see that Michael Jordan had a significant impact on the decision. And I have to imagine that he was at the forefront of this decision. Now, look, if you're asking me, do I think James Borrego finds it intriguing and does he find it that does he like this move? I'm sure that there are a lot of things to like as a head coach, getting a smart basketball player that has been in the league for a long time that can actually score 18 points a game and did so efficiently, even though being the fourth option, then yeah, of course a player, of course a coach is going to like getting a good player. Maybe it doesn't go within the team building things, but I I would imagine James Borrego does like this. But now, what did you make of Mitch Kupchak's answer that basically 
he had said that constantly, but he didn't expect the free agent of Gordon Hayward's caliber to be to be available. What did you make of that specific answer? That was interesting because I think that the plan, like, and I hate to bring this back to relationships to a degree, but everybody's got that quote unquote list of if this person becomes available, then I get a free pass to go sleep with someone on the of the opposite sex. And it's okay. Generally, it's a celebrity. Apparently, Gordon <laughs> Hayward was was on Michael Jordan's list. Like, I know you have a plan. You're saying Gordon Hayward was the hall pass? He's Gordon yes. Hall Pass is what you're saying. Yeah, yes. Michael, Gordon Hall Pass. Gordon <laughs> Hall Pass is what we're going to call this man. Because that's clearly what's going on here. Like, no one expected him to actually opt out. They expected to allocate resources to him next season, clearly. Clearly, there was like this idea that, okay, he's available. We have money now. You're here. I'm here. Let's get it on. That's what happened. That's entirely what happened here. And you know what? From is from an organizational standpoint, this is absolute chaos. This, uh, let's be honest, it's absolute chaos. But for someone, but for for Charlotte, I actually. Like this actually kind of makes sense. Now, granted, the thirty million dollars is the part that you thirty million dollars in the Nick Batum thing is something you obviously get stuck on a lot, a lot, a lot. But I'm not sure. Like I'm like, there's a part of me that respects the Hornets for being flexible enough with their plan to add a Gordon Hayward. That's something that a couple of years ago they wouldn't have been able to do. And the fact that they're building around their fran their the talent and they may have a better opinion of those guys than we do, but they're building around their core. And I think they have an idea of who the core is and they're building around it. And I think that's, there's something to be respected for that. Um, Yeah. This, this comment to me, I think, I don't know how much of this is covering up for Michael. Like I, the big question I have is how much of this was Mitch Kupchak really wanting to do this. You know, that's my biggest question because even in this answer, and I'll read it again, you know, him talking about, he had conversations with James Borrego and he had, com- you know, had conversations uh, with Gordon Hayward about, you know, where he would fit within the roster. And then Michael Jordan, apparently the signing came quickly, right? Within, you know, 24, 48 hours, 48 hours of Gordon Hayward being available. Michael, Gordon Hayward said that he talked with Michael twice this reminds me a little bit of the Terry Rogier acquisition where Terry talked with Michael Jordan specifically. It doesn't mean like Michael can be used as a piece. If, if Mitch Kupchak wants someone and Michael buys into what Mitch Kupchak wants, then Mitch can use Michael as a resource to reel them in in a free agent destination. So I'm not saying that th- that is fully indicating it's all Michael, but if Michael does it with Terry Rogier and then Michael's calling Gordon Hayward twice and then Gordon and then Mitch Kupchak is saying, yeah, Michael Jordan had a significant, significant impact on the decision. And we know that Michael was the only person with that organization that's still there that has any kind of sway in 2014 when they first extended him a sheet and the jazz just matched it to keep on to Gordon Hayward, that it all smells like this is all Michael. And if, if Mitch Kupchak is telling us one thing so adamantly for so long, and then Kupchak says, well, we didn't expect this to happen. Okay. Maybe that's true. I don't buy it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I, yeah. Like I, I think what happened is he became available and I'm, maybe you didn't think he was going to be available. It was kind of surprising 
to see that he opted out of this player option. I think some of that was we didn't expect him to get $34 million a year anywhere else, True. but he decided to take 4 million less with the Hornets and maybe the other options out there via Pacers or maybe Boston again, somewhere else it was going to go down to, I don't know, maybe 110 million total, which would only be 10 off of what he really got here. I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't buy what Mitch Kupchak is saying that this is the reason. Oh, Gordon Hayward's here. Well, hell, we might as well go get him. Um, you know, maybe there was some interest there. I, I, I believe Gordon Hayward when he says that there was some interest from him to go to the Charlotte Hornets. It makes sense. You have the connection with Ronald Norad here. I don't know if that's why he's deciding fully to sign four years, but it certainly doesn't hurt that the point guard on your final four team is also an assistant coach. He's going to be making decisions based on the team. And that was yeah. a guy that was assisting you in the final four. That makes sense to me that that would be attractive. The fact that the Hornets wanted you all those years ago, that would be attractive as well for Gordon Hayward. And he does become the focal point with a team that has some promise, but you're obviously going to be the scoring focal point for the near future. Cause LaMelo is not the guy that you say, go get me a bucket right now. He's mm-hmm. going to be helping Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. like, uh, it, it, if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense for Gordon, even if you financially is reason alone for this to make sense. And then you add all of the other things here. It makes sense for Gordon Hayward to want to come here. I just still like it. The, the answers for the Hornets to say, yeah, this is why it makes sense to go get Gordon. Um, you know, it, it, there's not a whole lot to me like that. You see that. that. ES, yeah. You see ESPN projects the Hornets to finish 11th in the standings. Yeah. Um, you know, if you sign a player for 30 mil a year, it, it maybe there can be some other steps, but it, it means that you should be contending for a playoff spot. And it doesn't mean that the projections are going to be 100% true, but I think most people would say, yeah, this is probably going to be a team that finishes in that area, maybe on the outside of the playoffs looking in. And, you know, at that point, it doesn't mean that the Hornets should be going after a guy worth 30 million a year. Yeah, no, here's the thing. I have one theory that I want to run by you. And again, this is just reckless speculation. But what if Gordon Hayward was the compromise between going to get between going to get Russell Westbrook this this offseason and or getting Gordon Hayward? I'm kind of okay with the way things worked out. If that's I like the, the way that you pin this because, you know, I, I saw people on Twitter doing this as well. It's like, well, if you have to give up draft picks in order to, in, in order to move Nick Batum's contract, then I'd rather just wave and stretch him. Yeah. Like we can always come up with worse scenarios for sure. It, yes. If it, if, if it was either get Gordon Hayward for 30 or acquire Russell Westbrook's contract as is, I'm definitely doing this. You know, it's like exactly would, you're you're giving me decisions on how I would rather die. I still die either way. One is just less painful. Like that's what you're giving me. And so, of course, I'm going to choose Gordon Hall pass real quickly before we take a quick break and go to the second segment. I want to talk to you guys, everybody. I uh, want to talk to everyone about Built Go, of course, from the makers of Built Bar. It's not an energy bar. It's actually a physical workout gel. And whether it's a mental or physical wall that you're dealing with, you can break through it with Built Go every single day. The cool thing about them is that they come in easy to take one and a half ounce packages and they have three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Not only do they make you feel better, but the collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. That means the stuff literally makes you look better. Go to, uh, go to BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. 
from Mitch Kupchak comments, James Borrego comments, Hayward comments, a lot of press availability we need to get to coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I love leftovers, by the way. Huge leftover guy. Oh, man, dinner, dinner for lunch. I love that. Leftover dinner, swing it into a lunch, maybe even to a breakfast if you're feeling goosey. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Coming up this week on Locked on Hornets, we have plenty of comments to get to from everyone that spoke with media today. And also we got some emails from Charlotte Hornets PR that there's going to be more press availability as we go on. So perhaps we get some press availability from Abismack Biombo, who just signed a contract, maybe more from Verdon Carey, some of these second rounders that signed their contract. So our player can, capsules uh, are our second round player capsules and our analysis that's coming next week. This week, okay. we're going to probably, again, we're going to follow the content gravy train, folks, and enjoy the smorgasbord with us. Why not? <laughs> um, you know how we do it here on Locked on Hornets podcast. We make promises about what's to come, and we don't ever do it. And so I don't even yeah. know why you're listening to these teases. Um, I, I do feel good about us continuing to take what the Hornets give us with this press availability. We can speak about some of these guys, uh, Borrego, Cupcheck, everybody else's comments, whoever does speak from the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets organization. So let's go right back to that. Well, I want to go to that Nick Batum um, comment that Mitch mm-hmm. Kupchak had. He uh, he was asked about having to wave and stretch Nick Batum, making this be a contract instead of just one more year of $27 million. Mitch Kupchak and company decide to have Nick Batum's contract um, spread over the next three years at $9, billion, uh, $9 million a pop. It feels like $9 billion, but $9 million a pop. Uh, Mitch Kupchak said, that it would have had to cost uh, multiple picks and maybe even the possibility of taking back a veteran contract when he was asked this question. So, okay, look, man, I mean, you know, I think, I feel like, I feel like what we're doing with some of that is making us feel better about this decision because of course it's exactly what I just said in the first segment. If you're going to only give me the options of giving up, you know, first round picks and taking back veteran salary to move off of Nick Batum's contract um, or waving and stretching them, then yes, I'm going to wave and stretch him, right? Like granted, if, if those are the only two options you're giving me, then yes, I absolutely want to wave and stretch him. That wasn't the only option. <laughs> you, you have multiple options here. What you could have done is one, not signed Gordon Hayward in the first place, or what you could have done is you could have decided to move back some kind of salary and found a third team for somebody else. Like even if it's a Cody Zeller, I I, I don't love that, but even if it's a Cody Zeller, because they've also indicated they're going to play more PJ Washington at small ball five. No, can we not talk about that? That was, that would have made some sense. We're going to get to it. Not, and you're going to, you're going to take in, you're going to like it. I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to get to that in a second, but because of that, and this is something you could have certainly planned for then either moving Terry Rozier, or even if it is Cody Zeller in the last year of his contract, then that's something that you could have done and done some maybe smaller things elsewhere to, you know, find ways to, uh, you know, get enough salary to do what you wanted to do. Like th- that's, those are some other options. So yes, th- th- I would rather wave and stretch than give up first round picks, but these aren't the only options here. And I feel like people are kind of taking, Oh, well, if that was the only option, okay. But no, it wasn't the only other option. What did you make of that comment from Mitch Kupchak? Is there really anything to take from that? There's nothing to take from this because again, as we said, he's Gordon Hall pass. This was the one guy that, I guess they felt like there were rules that could be broken for him. And 
I get it to an extent. Like I, I really do get it to an extent because something tells me in this, in that office, they're wondering, especially in the front office, in the higher parts, more, more the business people than the basketball people. Like at what point do we just go? What, what point do we play our hand with the team that we have? There's only so much credit. And it, it goes back to what I've said about credibility before this team doesn't have any with, with very few fans. This team doesn't have any credibility with the league. Clearly, the Montrezl Harrell thing was a was an obvious sign. Harry Giles, another one. At what point do you start building around what you have and just start trying to make it work anyway? Because I don't think, as much as this year was probably going to be a hall pass in terms of money and everything else like that, I'm I really do wonder. If they, if the team just felt like we got to do something to get people to believe in us and believe that we're actually trying, we're not going to be consistently mediocre. At some point, you have to do something. I get it from that aspect. And that aspect alone is I can't, you can't just sit and do nothing and expect to be mediocre and expect people to pay for tickets come 2021, 2022. So I get it. Well, and so here's something that I'd also. You know, I find this pretty interesting, too, because, you know, of all the answers that Mitch Kupchak has to give with some of this stuff, because it went so differently than what he was trying to sell us in all of the different media sessions that he had before this move was made. He did compare this signing to the Jimmy Butler with Miami signing last year. And he admitted that he might not have the same type of impact as Jimmy Butler, but bringing in someone like Jimmy, a veteran presence, um, or, or Gordon Hayward being the Jimmy could help some of these young guys like the Miami heat have. And I'll say this, not a, even if I think that Jimmy Butler clearly is a better player, even if the Miami heat clearly have better young talent on their team. Also, it's clearly an outlier. Like what, what happened mm-hmm. with Miami is truly special and shouldn't be a blueprint, you know, for what other teams do. Like it, it's, it's really tough. Some of their stuff should be a blueprint, but everything went damn right for the Miami heat last year. I think it'd be foolish to agree. Oh, well, this is what the heat did. We can do that too. Like, I think that's a blueprint that would be foolish. I'll say this. It's not a bad answer. (laughs) I mean, no, I'll tell you like, because you bring in Jimmy Butler at 30 years old and we were destroying Jimmy for being all about winning. I'm such a winner. I don't care about anything else. And then he goes to Miami. We accuse him of wanting to go to an attractive destination rather than wanting to win. And then you just so happen to have Duncan Robinson explode this year as one of the best shooters in the NBA. You have Kendrick Nunn who, you know, maybe it's empty calories and the scoring department here and there, but at least you have other scoring areas of getting something from Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero, who you hit on the draft. You also have Bam Adebayo take a certainly an all-star jump, even if we already liked what we had seen from him the year prior. It still was a pretty crazy jump that uh, Bam Adebayo took. And you have an opportunity to go out and get Andre Iguodala. And um, and it's amazing that you were able to move off some salary here and there the last couple of years anyway. Like, what happened with the Miami Heat? I, again, foolish to me to think that that's a blueprint that any team can follow and it's going to work here with Gordon somewhat similarly. I'll say, like, if you were desperate for some content to fight back with or to play devil's advocate with with the signing, Miami's not a bad answer to go to. No, it's not. And Miami's, like, 
I I argue that it, like I don't think you can throw Jimmy Butler's name out and then take it back saying, "Oh my God, I don't mean this as a a direct one to one comparison." But the minute you incite the the minute you invoke Jimmy Butler's name, Jimmy Butler is involved, and now you're making that comparison whether you like it or not. I get why they wanted, like I said, I get why they wanted to do this because at some point you can't see, keep sitting in mediocrity and you have to move and you have to. And more importantly, something that I don't think we talk enough about at best, you have a seven. If, if LaMelo is everything that you say he is, you have a seven year window to make everything happen and to convince him to sign that sec, that second contract. It is on the Hornets to put as much around him from day one as possible. So, I, and, and quite honestly, that's probably the way I would have gone with it. I would have made that argument. Hey, we really believe in this kid. We think he's going to be all about basketball. We want to make sure that he's a Charlotte Hornet for life. Did you just go Matt Rule right there? Did you say all about basketball? Is that what you just said? Yes, Matt, that, that's Matt Rule's comments about someone being all face. football. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm going to go punch myself in the face. Right <laughs> so, um, so I was after, surprised to hear that. But at the same time, like I, I understand, like I understand why they did. Uh, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I understand why they did it. It's not the smartest thing they did. Then there's certain things that they're going to do in lieu of this that are going to drive me nuts. Hello, PJ Washington at the five. But I get it. I get it. <laughs> Um, you brought it up. I brought it up once. You brought it up and you seem very angry about it. So what better way to end on the show than making Nada angry? We're going to do that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot <laughs> wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. If you want to get basketball smart, it starts with listening to the Hollinger and Duncan podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA analytics pioneer and front office insider John Hollinger joins Dunked On podcast host Nate Duncan to bring you scouting reports, game breakdowns, and salary cap analysis. Subscribe to Hollinger and Duncan today wherever you get your podcast. And because those guys are so smart, I have to imagine that they would like to see PJ Washington at the five as well, Nada. And that's where we go to James Borrego comment in his press availability today. James Brego mentioned when trying to figure out how he might toy with the lineup this season, LaMelo Ball being third overall pick, Gordon Hayward being your 30 mil a year acquisition. He said that he expects PJ Washington a lot. Keyword, yeah. a lot at yeah. center this year. Yeah. This will allow multiple guards or playmakers on the floor at once. I like this. I have told you I like this. I've been a fan of this from the get-go. And from what I see on Twitter, it seems like Hornets Twitter seems to be more of a fan of this as well. They're yelling at me more than you. Oh, well, they're not yelling. Yeah, they're joining. I'm joining them and yelling at you. I'm. This is a we thing. This is not a they thing if I'm talking about it. I am joining them. We are yelling at you. This is going to be a fun offense. And I understand that you have some problems about rebounding. Rebounding is a problem for sure. They need to get better at rebounding. Scoring is a lot more important, and it's going to be a lot more fun. <laughs> I mean, you talk about also the playmaking there. P.J. Washington's a good passer. So think about the passing lineups, Nada. And I think I, I mentioned this a couple of times, 
But this is something I was really excited to see with these potential lineups. So okay. what you could have is LaMelo and Devontae Graham as your backcourt. Devontae's a damn good passer, man. And, and okay. this is something you and I talked a lot about when he was a rookie in the NBA. There's some decision-making problems every once in a while, but overall... Uh, Devontae's a good passer. We know that that is LaMelo Ball's best skill coming into the NBA. Boom, already a sick passing backcourt. Now you bring in Gordon Hayward as somewhat of a secondary ball handler as well. He is a really good passer too. So that's three very good passers already. You mm-hmm. put Miles Bridges at the four, not the greatest. There are moments, but not the greatest, whatever. But then you put P.J. Washington at the five, and boom, you have a pretty good passer again. P.J. Washington as the fourth best passer in a lineup is a really good passing lineup. So you give me that one, man. That's really exciting to me, not to mention that you have Gordon, who shoots 36 37% career from beyond okay. the arc. We know what Devontae did, at least the first half and spots in the second half last year from beyond the arc. We know that PJ at the five can shoot the three. If you believe that Miles can go to 35%, then that would certainly open up the floor a lot for LaMelo to start cooking as your third overall pick, and it really helps him improve. That would be a fun lineup. Again, like like when we talk about some of the good things with Gordon Hayward, I don't want Mm -hmm. to continue to harp on how bad of a contract this is or whatever. And I'd also don't want people to be confused. So any good thing I say about this, let's just speak about this under the caveat that I wouldn't have done this move. I don't think it's good. And I wish they wouldn't have done it. All of this stuff doesn't, shouldn't come at the expense of $30 million a year for a player that's supposed to get you closer. Let's just say all the good things under that caveat and then move on from it because I don't want to be that guy that harps on something bad. But there are some basketball things to like about this. And I think the passing with PJ at the five is going to be one. See, here's the thing. I want to be excited with the rest of you. Do you want to know what you guys are ignoring in all this great playmaking lineup with PJ and Miles at the four and Devontae and Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball? Do you know what you're ignoring? Defense. You. We're ignoring you, Nada. That's what we're doing. You're also ignoring me, but you know, that's okay. I'm used (laughs) to being ignored, damn it. But, But all I'm saying is at some point we have to talk about defense and rebounding. That team is a team that's going to score 125 and give up 150 on a nightly basis. I understand why people want to do this. I understand why we want to be. Again, I understand all of it. I would just like to see some defense and rebounding. I don't think I'm being like hyperbolic about this. Well, I I mean, so basically what you're saying is Cody Zeller Going in at the five, and then who are you putting out? Miles on the bench? Is that what you're doing, putting PJ at the four? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I think so, Miles so, as a super sub works a lot better. Okay, no, and fine. Like, that, that's totally fine. And if you're talking about playing Cody, that, that's, that's my point. My, my point is trying to compare lineups for what you think is going to help rebounding and what this lineup is with playmaking and offense. So, what, like, just not trying to find where I'm going with this, right? Like just what do you think is going to be the starting lineup when we open up the season on December 22nd? My guess would be Devonte, Terry, Gordon, PJ, Cody. And okay. I would say, and honestly, I would not be surprised if Cody doesn't start in his biz. I would not be surprised. I think that Bismack Biombo take is very similar to your Billy Hernan Gomez take from a couple of years ago. Fair enough. Um, so we can get to that in just a second. But uh, so my question to you is, so I'm also interested in you having Terry Rozier over LaMelo Ball, but this is my question to you. 
the small ball lineup with PJ Washington at the five, right? You think that lineup is going to be worse than your perceived starting yes. lineup with Devonte, Terry, Gordon, PJ, and Cody. Like you, you think that small ball lineup is worse than that one? Defensively, yes. Defensively, absolutely. Defense and rebounding wise, absolutely. But 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 see, but okay. Yes, Cody Zeller in the game is going to be a better rebounding lineup, just 100% full stop, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But I asked you if it was going to be better, and you went back to that, right? Like, that's the thing. Ultimately, we can make it real simple and say, just what's the better lineup? And and, and to me, <laughs> you know, I, I think Cody Zeller is a good player, and I, I, I think that that would be, you know, fun to have him at the five, and I think that would be good as well. I think... I think LaMelo and Devonte might be the changes you would want to make there. And then you put Cody at the five PJ at the four Gordon at the three. Like that's probably your, that's, that's probably a best lineup contender that's, that's too. A best lineup. But at the same time, I can only imagine what, what is going to be like if that happens and you're, we're talking about if you're Terry Rozier thinking about that lineup, I wouldn't want to be the coach. I wouldn't um, deal with that. Yeah. No. I also want to go back to you. So you don't think LaMelo starts? No, no, I don't think he does. Like, I don't think not, not yet. Like, here's the thing. If he was, if he had a full training camp, I would be here for the start LaMelo ball, but we're talking about two weeks, four games, and they haven't had any sort of summer league, any mini camps, anything. He's got to learn all of this on the fly and he's playing guard. You know, yeah, man, I'll tell you, I think LaMelo does start. I also don't think you're crazy for thinking Terry starts. And, and I think most people, I think most people assume that LaMelo is going to start. Maybe my timeline's a little bit different, but I think most people assume LaMelo is going to start. And, and I agree with you that I, I would hesitate on that as well. I, I think LaMelo does. Like if you were to ask me, okay, Walker, bet money on the starting lineup. I would bet that LaMelo is playing the point guard position. I just don't think it's a full gone conclusion that you're going to have LaMelo as the starting backcourt mate with Devontae. De De Devontae is in there 100%. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. It's really all about Terry and LaMelo. And uh, you're right. Like, I really think that there's a shot that Terry plays there because of the respect that Borrego has for Terry Rozier. Because there is not a long training camp and you don't have this summer league, we're not going to get LaMelo ball in summer league. And, and these rookies also performing in that regard too. Yeah, I think there's a real shot that your starting lineup looks like Devontae, Terry, Gordon, PJ, and Cody. And, and, and I'll tell you this. If James Borrego is giving us these comments saying that PJ Washington is going to play a lot of center this year. Yeah, I can see him and, starting. Yeah, I can, I can see. Yeah. Him. And that's something that we really didn't talk about. Like we've talked a lot about PJ and the possibility of him playing some significant minutes there. But I, I didn't really give a whole lot of thought to the how the center position would look in a starting lineup. I just kind of by default put Cody Zeller there. Man, what if you get because you want to see your first round pick and Miles continue to get starter minutes and make PJ Miles work? What if it looked like Devontae and Terry or Devontae Lamello, and then it went Gordon Miles PJ? And and especially with the way that he was talking, it seems like they more think of Miles Bridges being that small ball four. Like I wonder how yeah. much that is in play, whatever the backcourt combination is, but the front court being Gordon Miles PJ. Like I think that's a real possibility of being the starting lineup to open up the year. Like I, here's the thing. I like all of your lineup combos, except for the fact that none of those dudes really play defense, except for maybe Terry. 
like my whole thing is if you're going to go small ball lineup and you're going to put Gordon out there, then you're going to need a Martin twin, which is also something that we have not talked about nearly enough. So who, who goes to the bench? Who goes to the bench is probably my the most interesting part of this conversation because, as we know, there are way too many guards looking for way too much time, and we haven't even gotten to the possibility of Malik Monk playing yet. We All haven't right, even gotten that far. We've run, we've run long. Let's save some of this content for tomorrow. I, I'll tell you this: the lineups are fun. Yes. Just kind of bouncing these lineups back and forth, they are fun because, um, you know, and I was talking with. Um, uh, Owen Watterson of hold on one second. I'm sorry, dude. Let me make yeah. sure I get his name right. I'm really sorry for creating more to no, cut. Well, yeah. Cause all I got to do is cut one thing and then uh, I'm okay. literally done for the day for the most part. Okay. I'm going to start where I was talking with. That's mm-hmm. how I'm going to start. It. I was talking with Owen Watterson. Of, name dropper. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Owen Watterson, I was speaking with him. He's the host of the Queen City Collective pod. And we were talking about some of these lineups. And I told him when we were discussing like who goes to the bench and like that, like they're they're like more fun lineups than they are good. I mean, mm-hmm. these 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 bench lineups aren't going to be the lineups that come in and win a whole bunch of games. But I, I'm very interested in, you know, what Cody Martin is doing. If, if he and Malik Monk are going to be in the backcourt, if, if Terry Rozier and LaMelo, like the backward combination in the second unit is going to be fascinating. And, you know, I really like Jalen McDaniels. Um, I, you know, yeah. it, we, we've got some fun secondary lineups with this team. And so yeah. maybe we can talk a little bit about that tomorrow. There's a lot of stuff to get to. With we got a whole lot of content for you. <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm excited that we're here having uh, some more content based on what the Hornets uh, decision makers are saying to us and the fact that the season starts this month. It's pretty crazy. So um, we'll have plenty more content here for you on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And we always appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Thanks again to Built Go for supporting the show. And I'll tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, Rejecting the Screen, all those great shows on the network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.